Praise God. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we, wor- we welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. Let's welcome our guests. Can we do that? Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I um, I was waiting on the Lord and uh, what He wanted to say, and I'm well aware of the time, so no need to panic. I was waiting on the Lord and looking for direction, waiting for direction. And after service last night, I... Uh, I went and I was sitting in my, my, my car. We had service last night. And I went and I was sitting in my, my car with my two youngest and um, waiting for my wife to come down. And I'm just sitting there. And while I'm sitting there, the Lord drops a verse in my heart. And I don't know if I've actually I've read it a hundred times. I don't know if I've, if I've ever preached from it. I don't know if I'm going to preach from it today. I may just read it and we may go home. But the Lord dropped this verse in my heart today, and I really feel like for somebody, the Lord wants you to know this today. He wants you to know what this verse is saying. It comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. And just to give you a little bit of an understanding of where we are, the children of Israel are in captivity in Babylon. And there's some things going back and forth between Jeremiah and some false prophets. Starts off as sermons that are going back and forth, turns into some letters going back and forth. And this is a, a letter that Jeremiah writes to those that are in captivity. He's writing to those that are in captivity. And skip down to verse number 10. Of chapter 29, he says this, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. In verse 11, I want you to listen to this. Everybody, I, I really felt strongly. This is the verse the Lord put in my heart for somebody today. Maybe you're brand new here. Maybe you're a guest. But I want you to know this verse today. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. You can leave that verse on the screen for a moment. To give you an expected end. Most of us today, a lot of us today, even some of us that come and we participate and we gather together every week, there are some of us today that we don't see God quite that way. We, we look at God as the policeman. We look at God as the judge. We look at God as the, as, as the, as the, 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 the trooper sitting on the side of the road shooting laser waiting for that moment when we come around the corner to squeeze that laser gun and shoot us and know we are speeding. We, we, we sort of look sometimes as God is that, as, this, as if He is, as if He's sitting up there 
waiting for us to do something wrong so then He could pounce on us and beat us up and say, see, you're no good, you're worthless. Or we look at God as, as, as the judge and jury that when we do something wrong, that, that, that somehow we're upset. I, I've heard people say and, and ask, and, and even I've, I've made this statement before in frustration and things. I've often said, you know what? Or I've heard people say, is God mad at me? Let me help you answer that question if you ever ask it. If God's mad at you, you won't have to ask. God's not like, you know, she's out of the room right now. God's not like your wife when you say something wrong. Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. I know there's something wrong. No, there's not. First of all, you need to repent because you just lied three times. You lied, so you need to pray. Repent. That's not the way... God operates. God don't come in here and, 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 and say, I love you, I love you. But really, he's thinking, I'm going to fry you right now. You know, would you like it original or extra crispy? What do you want today? That's sort of the idea that most people think of God as this judge that, that, that literally is waiting for any moment to just... To just come and pounce on you. And then when you do something wrong, it's as if I don't know if I can ask God to forgive me because of what I've done. As if he's sitting up there going, oh no, I'm sorry, that was, that you, oh whoa, you crossed the line, I can't help you. He said, I know my thoughts for you. I know what I'm thinking. That the thoughts I have for you are what? Thoughts of peace. Not of evil. That actually means right now that God is thinking good things about me. That doesn't mean I'm thinking good things about myself. That's a whole other message for a whole other day. But actually he's saying God is thinking good things about me. God is thinking about thoughts of peace towards me. And here's why that's important. Because it's his desire to give you an expected in. Why is that important? Because there's so many people in this world that have fear and trepidation and worry about the future. You know what? Was I, did I follow the elections of last year? Absolutely. It was too fascinating not to follow. But in bottom line, when it came down to it, I wasn't so panicky. I didn't lose sleep over who was going to become president, even if I agreed or didn't agree. Why? Because ultimately, I have an expected end. My expected end is not based on who's the president. My expected end is not based on who my job's with. My expected end is the fact I've got a God who thinks good thoughts about me. And because of that, I know my expected end. Notice this. He was giving this letter, was writing this letter to people that were in captivity. He wasn't writing this letter to people that had everything going. In fact, when they left 
and went into captivity, they sort of joked about it. Some of them joked about it a little bit. But the farther they got into captivity, they started to despair as if they were never going to get out of there. And he said, listen, if you understand who I am, you will have an expected end. And that word expected end means an end with hope. Hope. You will have hope. Do you know what today? I have it that no matter how bad it gets, I have an an expectation that there's only one way up. You say, wasn't that kind of silly? No, 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 no. I have an expected end that it doesn't matter how bad it gets down here. I have an expectation. My wife and I use this phrase all along, all along, all the time. If you go to heaven, guess what that means? That means this is your hell. If you go to hell, guess what? Welcome to heaven, baby. No, you missed the streets of gold. But if you if you if you're serving God and you're going and you're following him and you make it to heaven guess what then this is hell which means the expectation is it doesn't matter what I've got to endure in this life Paul said this life is but a vapor All of you then here today have experienced some sort of pain but to me the worst type of pain is the anticipated pain Right I've had several surgeries, and I wish I could tell you I was just fired up and excited about the surgery. I remember when I had my hip surgery, and for some reason, they decided it was a good idea to roll me into the operating room awake so I could see all the apparatuses they were about to use on me. And I remember rolling in there to this place, and I saw this thingamabopper they were going to strap me to that looked like some kind of medieval torture chamber thing. And I'm thinking, when I go to sleep, you're going to do... And I, I literally... I know it's, it's terrible. I'm supposed to be man, macho, bring it on. I began to involuntarily shiver. And the guy looked over at me and he patted and he said, it's all right, we'll give you a shot of courage here in a minute. Thank God he gave me that shot of courage. But you know what? As bad as that was, I could face it because I knew there was going to be something better on the other side. I knew on the other side I wouldn't have any more pain. I wouldn't have any more discomfort that the things that were going on inside of me that were hurting me, if I could endure that moment on the other side of that, there was going to be pain-free mobility and things. If I didn't know what was on the other side of that, I'd have said, no, 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 you can just take your juice of courage and I'll just, I'm leaving. I don't need all that. But when I understood that there was something better on the other side, I can endure it. And when I understand there's an expected end, some people say, I don't know if I can make it any longer. What other choice do you have? Because I have an expected end. But here's the problem with that. You say, well, I I don't really feel that today. I'm glad you asked, because here's why you don't feel that way. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, the thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Woo! I don't feel that way today, preacher. Here's why. 
Then shall you call upon me, and you and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me. Here's how. When. Everybody say when. If we take this verse and we cut that part out of it, that sounds pretty good. You seek me, you'll find me. Okay, God, I'm seeking. I'm not finding. But here's the, here's the clause in the contract. When you search for me with... With what? All of your heart. Really, this verse is in reverse. This, this whole sequence is in reverse. Because truthfully, we all start off seeking. And then it gets to the point where our seeking turns into hunger. And we begin to look for Him with all of our heart. What does that mean today? That means that He is the main priority of my life. And when He becomes the main priority of my life, then and only then can that verse that we read, verse 11, go back to verse 11. When I seek with Him with all my heart, then I can look at Him and know there's thoughts of peace, not of evil. And I can feel that I haven't expected in. Jesus tells the parable, three men... We're given three different sums of money. One was given five. One was given two. The other one was given one. And Jesus tells the story that the one with five took the five, invested it, used it, worked it, made ten. The one with two, the same thing. Took the two, invested it, worked it. He had four. But the one that received one, it wasn't the amount that was the problem. You say, well, he was that way because he only got one. No, no, no. He took the one and he buried it. And when the master returned back, he was angry. But his response to the master showed us why he did what he did. It wasn't the fact because he only got one and everyone else got more so he was just going to pout. He said to the master, he said, why did you take that and you bury that? I gave that to you for you to use it, but you buried it. And his response to the master was, I knew you were hard. I knew you were a hard man. I knew you were a hard guy. How I look at God determines how I follow Him. My viewpoint of God determines my relationship. If I look at God today as this hard, severe deity that's sitting on a throne governing the world, I will serve Him like I see Him. I will serve Him and I will come to church and I will put in my obligation and I will do what's necessary to keep Him appeased. I will bring my offering to Him. I'm not talking about my physical offering, but I'll bring an offering. I'll bring a sacrifice to the deity. That's what they used to do in temples. They still do it today. You can go all over the world. You can see temples and little trinkets left out there because they're doing stuff to appease the God. 
to keep the God happy. You would be amazed at some of the places you can go in the world and you can watch and to see the stuff that people bring and leave appeasing a God that their view of the God is that this God is harsh, this God is judgmental, and if I can appease Him, then I can just squeeze by and He won't powder me to dust. And if I look at God that way, and I see God that way, then my whole attitude and my Christianity and my walk with Him will be to bury what I have and hunger down and hope that somehow I make it. But that's not who God is. You've heard the story. You know it. Most of you do. But give me a moment. There's some in here that may have never heard it. The Bible talks about two, two boys that grew up in their father's house. The one boy, the youngest, decided one day... I, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. He went to his dad said, Dad, listen, I got, I got to go. I got to get my inheritance. I, 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 I'm just, I can't make it anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I want my inheritance now. And the Bible says that the father gave his son his inheritance. And he went out and boy, did he enjoy it. The Bible talks about he had friends. The Bible talks he had, that he enjoyed life. He did everything he wanted to do. But the problem was, because he was spending and not making, he ran out of money. And in the end, the Bible says that he found himself in a pig pen. And he, we, we, we get an a, a inside look at his conversation he was having with himself. And he made the statement that I, 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 I'm going to go back to my, my, my dad's house. And I'm hoping that if I go back to my dad's house, he'll let me at least be a servant. Because even the servants in my dad's house don't have to put up with this. And the Bible says he finally got enough courage to get up and start walking, smelly and all, to go back to the father's house and hoping that he could convince his dad to let him be a servant. But what he did not know was that's not the way his dad saw him. That's the way he saw his dad. But if he would have known how his dad was looking at him, he wouldn't have waited till he got to the pig pen. Because the Bible says that when his dad saw him coming from afar off, the Bible says that he ran to him. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? That means literally that every day that dad got out on that porch. I don't know if he had a rocking chair or not. Got his little coffee. Got on a rocking porch. Just sat out there every day. What is he doing? I don't know what he's doing. He sits out every day. Dad, what are you doing? I'm waiting. Who are you waiting for? I'm waiting for my boy. Come walking down that road. He ain't coming back. No, that's my boy. I'm waiting for him. And the moment I see his little head pop across the horizon, I'm not going to wait for him to get to me. I'm coming to him. 
Because every day when that, when that son was in the muck and the mire of his life, he didn't realize he had a father that was sitting there saying, come on, boy, just give dad a chance. Come on, boy, just give me a chance. Come on, boy, come back to me and give me a chance. Oh, I know where you are. I know, I know you're out there. I know you're, I know you're, I know you're out there. Come on, son, just come back and give me a chance. And look at, and the moment he saw that little sliver of head begin to pop, he knew who it was. And the Bible says he took off running. He didn't wait and wait to that boy to come fall on his feet and said, how dare you waste my money? How dare you show back up here smelly and stinky? How dare you do this? Go in there and get a bath, son. Go in there and wash up. Go in there. Go out in the servants' quarter. They got some clothes you can borrow. When you get all cleaned up, then you come back. We'll have a talk. No, 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 no. The Bible says he saw him. He saw him. If you only knew today what God was thinking about you this moment. You say, isn't that silly preacher? No, it's not silly. If you knew today what God was thinking about you. If you knew today the plans He has for your life. And what He wants to do in your life. And what He wants to do through your life. And He does all that and He sees that. He's not waiting to sit here and smack you over the head. But the Bible said, what is wrong with you? Can't you get anything right? But yet He's waiting and saying, wait. Would you just give me an opportunity? You say, oh, I can't serve, guys. Boy, living for God is so hard. Living for God is so difficult. I don't know if I can live for God. You know what you're saying? Is you don't see God the right way. You don't see Him the right way. You see him as a taskmaster. You see him as this hard God. You want to bury everything in the sand and hope that He doesn't find out. Do you know that every thought he has for me is good? Every thought he has for me is not only good thoughts, but thoughts of peace, not of evil. Boy, the devil, he likes to jump on that, doesn't he? Boy, the devil, he, he, he wears... You know he was working on those people that were in captivity for God to have to make that statement. You know, if you really, God really loved you, you wouldn't be here in Babylon. If God really loved you, your life wouldn't be the way it was. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. If God wouldn't, if loved you, you wouldn't be struggling like you're struggling. If God, if God, if God, if God. And then guess what we start to think? Maybe I did do something wrong. Maybe God... And God had to tell them... No! I don't think evil thoughts towards you. I don't think wrong thoughts towards you. My thoughts towards you are of peace, not of evil. He had to tell them that because that's what they were thinking. He said, I want you to do all this. Why? Because the bottom line is, I want you to give to you and expecting in. If you're here today, I'm not talking just to the guests. If you're here today and you don't have an expected in, if you've got worry and fear for tomorrow, then you're not serving God like He desires for you to. My biggest frustrations in life have not come for what you, from what you would expect. My biggest regrets in life are not from what you would expect. My biggest, mistake, my biggest regrets in life 
are not from the mistakes I've made. Have I made mistakes? Yes. Do I have regrets from the mistakes? Absolutely. But those aren't my biggest regrets. My biggest regrets in life are the fact that in moments of decision, in moments of struggle with my flesh, that I did not give God a chance sooner. That I did not give God an opportunity that I waited. Because when I finally stopped fighting and let God do what he wanted to do, and I got on the other side, it was so amazing that I could barely enjoy it because I was kicking myself. Why didn't I do this earlier? Chris, you can come. I remember, I've told this story before, and I want to go back into it all. I remember I was in a very dark place, a very trying place, a very, very, I felt like I was squeezed, and I, I, I just, I, I literally, I just, my, I just snapped. And I got in my truck, and I drove. I, I, I'd gotten, I had a, 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 like, SUV at the time, and I got in that SUV, and I just drove, and I just, I wasn't even going anywhere, I was just driving. And half the time I couldn't even see because I was crying. I was just desperate. I'm, and I'm, I mean, and, and God was working on me. And God was trying to get me to do some things. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. It's so, oh, oh no, no. And I'm, and I'm just fighting. And what was so frustrating was I finally just said, okay, God, whatever you want to do, I just want, I want you. I want to do what you want to do. And I stepped on the other side. Oh, my God, was life amazing or what? The peace, the happiness, the joy, the blessing. Oh, my goodness. And I was so mad at myself. Why did you even fight? To let God do this. Why would you even think this was a bad idea? If I'd have known it would have gonna be this good, I would not only have fought it, I'd have volunteered. Forget that. And you know what? It's like so I can see some of you here today. It's like when your kid, your your baby's growing up, you're trying to get them to eat, right? It's like, here comes the airplane. And they're, I mean, they're fighting. And finally, you're just like, you know what? You just put it in their mouth. You start scraping it and you shove it down in there. And they spit it out. You push it back in. They spit it out. You push it back in. They spit it out. You're going to win that fight. You're going to keep pushing it until they swallow. That's what it seems like some of you are doing today. It's like God saying, I got life for you. I've got hope. I've got peace. I want my veggies today. No, I don't want any of them. I don't want my veggies. And the worst part about it is when you finally just let God do it. Oh. Maybe you've never experienced that. I've never experienced that. I'm sorry for you. You're missing out. Because when you finally just let God do it, oh God. Is life absolutely phenomenal? See, we want a guarantee. Right? 
We want God to sign off and guarantee and show us everything. And God don't work that way. Notice when God built his house, his original house, he said, get the ugliest stuff you can come up with. Dried badger skin. Put it on the outside. Just make it look ugly. I mean, I believe it was red, wasn't it? Dried red. Red. Dried red badger skin. Just ugly. And you know what? If you just walked up there and saw that and you go, ooh, I don't want to go in there. Ooh, oh, ooh. Because you know what did he want to do? God didn't want the decision to enter his presence to be about what was appeasing to the flesh. But what you did not know is on the other side of that ugly, nasty, red badger skin was the glory of God. There was peace. There was forgiveness. There was life. His presence, literally his presence rested behind that nasty, ugly badger skin. Because you know what? If I was God, I'd have said, look, get some gold, neon lights, get it all. Tell everybody, this is the place you want to be. But you know what? If that's the case, then I would have responded based off my flesh. But God says, no, 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 no. What I'm asking you to do, it may not look good to your flesh, but when you get on the other side of that, you're going to see things and find things you have no idea about. Today, <laughs> you're looking at God and going, I don't want to. No, 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 no. Look, preacher, I showed up today. Isn't that good enough? Don't make me go past that nasty red badger skin. I don't want to do that. That's just, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, you can have that life. No, no, no. That doesn't look appealing to me. To your flesh, it may not look appealing. But what you don't know is on the other side of that badger skin, there is life. Peace, joy, contentment, healing, hope. But you've got to be willing to step on the other side. You've got to be willing for how you view God today. Can you just close your eyes for a moment, just you and Jesus? And I want you to take an inventory. I'm not just asking for the guests. I'm talking to everybody. The Holy Ghost is talking to everybody. We all today need to take an inventory of our life and to see how do you view God? How do you view Him? How do you see Him today? I'm challenging somebody today. You will find him if you seek him. But you got to seek him with your whole heart. All of your heart. All of your heart. You can't just give God a portion and find him. No, 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 no. To those who want to just give a portion, you won't find him. 
you'll say, what's all the big deal about all this stuff you guys are talking about? I don't, I don't feel any of that. I don't see any of that. I think it's all just a bunch of crazy hype. That's because you've never given God everything. So you're only viewing God based off your perception because you've never saw him with all of your heart. But for those of us that have experienced what it's like when we give God everything we've got and we see him the way he is, there's no going back from that. Father, in the name of Jesus today, help us, Lord. Help us today. Help us today. Come on, if you don't have an expected end today, don't leave here with, a, with your end in question. But leave here today with an expected end of what you know to be true because you know the God of tomorrow. I know tomorrow. I don't know what that holds but I know the God of tomorrow and I hold His hand today. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to say, God, I want to see you the way you see me. I want, I want to see myself the way you see me. I, I want to see things the way you see about me. I don't want to be caught in this lie about you being hard and judgmental. But God, I want to see you the way you see me. I want to see you for who you are. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I know God's already done stuff in here today. But is there someone that's left and you say, you know what? I, I, I don't want to leave here today without that in my life. Come on, just reach out to Him. Reach out to Him. Oh, reach out to Him. Come on, let's just reach over and find somebody next to us and just pray one for another. Come on, let's just pray one for another for a moment. Oh, some of you are being so tormented by your future. Some are being so tormented about tomorrow. Some of you are being so tormented about this and about that, about a job or a spouse or your children or this or that, and you're so bogged down. But if you know today that there is a God that sees you and knows you and that His thoughts for you are good, that you can have an an expected in, a hope filled in. Oh, come on, just for a moment. The Holy Ghost is moving. The Holy Ghost is moving. Can you just talk to him? It's not about a big bunch of bunch of emotion. It's about being honest with him. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.